0: Hello, and welcome to another mini-episode of Dear Prudence. I am your host, Danny M. Lavery, and this show is for you, our Plus subscribers. Please listen to some of my favorite letters from 2019 while Grace and I pack our bags. We're heading to New York City, so the next episode you will hear will be from the other side of the country. Thanks, all of you, for listening and supporting the show. All right, this next one, I... I felt like at the time, I tried to edit it down as much as I could, and I clearly could have edited it more. But I do think it kind of like provides us a snapshot of this letter writer's current emotional state, which is probably relevant. So with that, I will just go ahead and read it. The subject is Tiny House with Too Many Guests. Dear Prudence, About a year ago, some married friends from college were going through a difficult time financially. My husband and I decided to give them $12,000. I'm sorry, 1200, not 12,000. That'd be very <laughs> different. Just 1200, not 12,000. $12,
1: their
0: situation Their situation has happily improved. They recently bought a house, started remodeling it, and for the first time in their marriage, started going on vacations. We're very happy to see them thriving. Before this windfall, they had asked if they and their four children, two of which have special needs, could stay at our house over a weekend when they go to a wedding. We live in a very expensive coastal city in California. We have a modest income. Most of it goes to our very expensive, very small house. We also have two school-aged children, wanting them to have the best education possible, which is why we live in this very small and very expensive house. Our neighborhood schools are excellent. Having an additional six people in our already cramped home will be extremely difficult. However, at the time, we knew they couldn't afford a hotel, and it would only be two nights on a weekend. Knowing that their financial situation has changed, but also knowing that we'd already said yes to their spending the weekends with us, my husband and I decided to just make it work. This week, I received a text from the wife saying they've decided to turn the wedding weekend into a real vacation, and they are increasing their stay from two nights to 6 they He'll be arriving Wednesday morning instead of Friday evening, and leaving the following Tuesday. She also mentioned that she appreciated our previous offer to be their tour guides, especially now that their family has more time. I literally had a panic attack. There's absolutely no way my husband or I can afford to take time off from work to tour guide on weekdays. Also, our kids are in school and have busy weekday schedules. Plus, our house is very small. How do we fit 10 people in our small house for six days and not interrupt our schedules? On top of this, as our friends already know that I'm now in grad school, and the week they plan on being here is my finals week, I decided to just be very honest and tell them that we can only host for the weekend that we originally agreed to. I tried calling but got a voicemail, so I sent a text. 13 hours later, I received a text back that said, We understand you are busy and can't host the entire seven days and six nights. However, we would still like to stay at your house at least Wednesday evening through Sunday. We are at a loss. They clearly don't see what a burden having all six of them at our house will be, especially on a weekday. This couple has stayed with us before. They know the size of our house. And previously, they haven't brought their kids because, quote, Our two kids with sensory disorders would not do well in a tight space like this. We've been friends for over 20 years, and I don't want to destroy the relationship. Should we just let them stay the two weeknights they are requesting? I don't know what to say. I already said the weekend is the only time that works, and explained why.
1: So, as a Seattleite with a spare mattress in our living room, this hit very close to home. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we we my My housemates and I have had many conversations specifically around, like, no, when we give people a, like, you can stay here for this time period, that's it. <laughs> and, like, we're very, very strict on it because we've we've all been in this situation multiple times of people, like, kind of taking advantage of it and sort of, like, dropping it on us in a way where it makes us uh, uh, us responsible for, for essentially making sure that they have a place to stay for their, their fun time little vacation.
0: Yeah, i I also just was, like, between grad school and everything else, I really hope that this letter writer has, if not a therapist, maybe a a psychiatrist or a doctor, even just like a yoga class they can drop in at once a month, like some way of dealing with anxiety because this level of absolute panic over the idea of having to tell people you've been friends with for 20 years, like, no, you can't stay an extra two nights, is um, I want you to have more help than you're getting. I don't want to say like, oh my gosh, how, how could you possibly feel this bad? You should feel bad for feeling bad. I just mean like... This is a sign that you are not getting something that you really need.
1: Yeah, or or that like you have a very you you definitely have some sort of um you're stretched to the limit in a way where you you don't feel comfortable saying no to people, which is just going to cause you to constantly go over your limit. And actually like one one point that like I really wanted to make when I read over this before was that like Um, they're worried about, like, you know, if I say no, it could destroy our 20-year friendship. But it's like, if you, like, don't say no, it's very clear that this will destroy your 20-year friendship.
0: Right. And, like, either your friends have a history of behaving really badly when somebody doesn't give them extra stuff, such that you're like, if I say they can't stay an extra two nights, they're going to, like, never speak to me again. Or your level of anxiety about saying no is so high that you're afraid that people who have known you for 20 years will turn on you if you can't do them a favor. So... I don't know which one is the case here, but, like, your level of fear is not commensurate with what you're proposing doing. Like, most reasonable people, if their friend says, I cannot host you for an extra two nights, would not say, then fuck you and your bloodline. I hope you all die. Um, <laughs> they'll just say, okay, we'll we'll rearrange our plans. So, And, again, I think like the fact that you were, like, texting in a panic back and forth about this instead of just picking up the phone and, and saying either, like, hey— You know, when we agreed to this, you two were in a really different situation. And also now that I'm in grad school and close to finals week, I've just realized uh, it would be too hectic and too challenging to host the whole families here. So I'm afraid we're not going to be able to host you and you'll have to make other arrangements. I'm really sorry for the inconvenience, but I just think this is the best thing to do. Um, That's a very reasonable and okay thing to say. They will be disappointed, but they will figure it out. And, And you need to be able to say that. And so, no, do not let them stay an extra two nights. If you feel completely honor bound and, and, and like you could make, you know, two nights work, maybe you can say that. But by no means should you say, yes, you can stay from Wednesday to Sunday. I think you got to pick up the phone. You got to call and just say like, listen, I'm not sure where the wires are getting crossed, but we agreed to the weekend we can do the weekend we cannot do more than that and even the weekend i think is going to be a real challenge with all 10 of us
1: yeah um, no i i definitely think that's something that's like going to be important to emphasize is like hey we agreed to the weekend because the weekend was already sort of like putting us at our limit because of how small our house is, because of our situation with like you know 10 people uh when everyone in our house already is sort of like full schedule all the time uh asking us or expecting us to just have like you know the ability and the time to have you for these extra days is not really you don't have to do you don't have to go full on like that's not acceptable behavior to them but you do have to tell them like what we agreed to originally was our limit
0: yeah yeah and and you don't have to like make this phone call in a state of like if if they don't agree, I'm not allowed to say this. Like you're just letting like you, your tone should be one of like, oh, I have some lightly bad news. But mostly this is like an easy breezy conversation. And again, I sorry, I don't want to be like, just act fine. Like you're allowed to <laughs> feel the way that you're feeling. Um, but you should not approach this conversation as I have something terrible to tell you. I have to let you down because um, you don't. This is actually super OK. They're frankly pushing you. Um in in ways that they shouldn't hopefully they're just kind of unaware of how stressed out this is making you and they're not like "Eh, who gives a shit they've already given us 1200 bucks let's see what else we can squeeze out of them um but yeah totally
1: normal to say no i would hope that like your friends with two kids would be like uh emotionally mature enough and adult enough to be able to be like oh well we can figure out you know something else like we uh, four we can kids, we can actually, make other I think issues. oh four kids oh yeah you're right they, if they have four kids being able to like plan these things like on the fly or even being able to like change accommodations as need be should be like kind of like built into their genetics at this point <laughs> yeah
0: but again you just you don't have to get them to agree with you you just have to let them know. Um, any more than those two weekend nights won't be possible for us. And um, that's it. It's it's not like here's why. I, like you can give a little rundown, but you just like you just need to communicate like he, here's what's possible and here's what isn't. Um, and I would say do it over the phone because the texting, it sounds like, has been making you more anxious. And also you I think it's maybe a little easier for your friends to ask for stuff that they'd be afraid to ask for over the phone.
1: Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I was actually even going to say on that, um, since I assume your husband is in the same boat, I would... I would have him like there with you. So that way, if you, you know, end up in a state where you're like too stressed out or too anxious, you can be like, hold on, I'm going to pass it off to so and so. Will I go like uh, run to the bathroom or something like just give some sort of excuse that way if you need a second to step away, you're not just like trying to get out of the conversation. You can like have someone to continue, you know, reaffirming like, no, this is this is our, our limit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even think you have to like make up an excuse. Like it would be normal for a couple to have this conversation since you're both the hosts. So you could even just give your husband a look um, and then he <laughs> could say like, hey, it's my name here. Uh, and then kind of step in on your behalf. Um, you could even ask him to make this call on your behalf.
1: This is not just like, you know, wife work. Yeah, because I assume that I assume that they're friends with like both like both these people. Like it's not like it's it's just her friends. Right, I, right. It's a couple they've known earlier. for, you
0: know, since college, at least 15 years, like would not at all be weird for your husband to be in on this phone call.
1: Yeah, I, I I do feel for this person, though, because I'm as as someone who has my own issues of conflict avoidance, I know how stressful it can be. But I also know like how I can, I can reassure them how much of a relief off your shoulders it will feel once you resolve the conflict and also how assuming your friends are adults about it, how relieving it can feel to just oh okay cool that was that was actually not a hard conversation to have at all yeah
0: yeah and i've gotten better at conflict avoidance over the last couple of years and that doesn't mean i like dive into it feet first with like a a viking (laughs) shout of delight but like i'm no longer horrified at the idea of telling a friend of 15 years no about something um and i do think to a certain extent exposure therapy can be sort of helpful there and just like slowly building up um uh, just letting people know what what does and doesn't work for you really often does make it a little bit easier.
1: Yeah, no, and and as you brought up earlier, if if you don't have something that's like letting you vent out the stress, it really sounds like you need one. Yeah, uh, and it it is something to to maybe pursue, especially if this is something that like you sort of have a history of of saying no to people that you are friends with, or really it's just saying no to sort of like favors that are sort of going beyond what you are comfortable uh, filling.
0: Also, I apologize for throwing the term exposure therapy around really lightly. That's not just like doing stuff you don't like a whole bunch. It's like an actual therapeutic approach that requires like monitoring and controlled circumstances. And it's not just like, go do the thing that scares you. Okay, It's, you're not, it's not
1: jumping into the pool of spiders to get over your spider fear. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. So. So the subject is not ready to be an auntie. Dear Prudence. My wife and I have been married for seven years. Five years ago, she came out as trans and transitioned both socially and medically. Her sister and mom, being rather close-minded people from a small town, were horribly offended by this and drastically cut back on the amount of time they spent with her, specifically to shield her sister's young children from us. Two years ago, we found out that my wife's mom had passed away from breast cancer on social media. My wife didn't want to go to the funeral, as she said it would bring up too many painful topics, and she didn't want to deal with it. We sat it out and visited the cemetery about a month later. Now, apparently, my sister-in-law has also died from an overdose, and we are those kids' closest living relatives. We got a call from a cousin who lived nearby and said that the kids were staying at her house, and that we needed to pick them up soon, or she would, quote, send them to social services. Prudy, How do we parent two kids we haven't seen in years in a city they're unfamiliar with after just going through two giant traumas? We'd always talked about adopting, and we have the space and income to support them, but this is going to be a huge lifestyle change for everyone, and I'm not even sure how to start. From pictures that we've seen on social media, they look like nice kids. They're a 7-year-old boy and a 10-year-old girl. We don't know what they must think about their queer and trans aunts that they've never met. Have they been told all the awful, evil stereotypes their mother and grandmother used to say about my wife? We're moving them in next weekend. How the hell do we prepare for this?
2: I have two simultaneous thoughts. Mm -hmm. The first is, oh my God, I feel for you on every level. Um, You are probably experiencing a really complicated grief uh, and a really complicated panic where you've lost two people who were not nice to you and you're presumably gaining two people who have never... Had a chance to be anything to you, and that's that's a lot. Um, there's there's one crucial piece of information from this letter that I feel like would really really affect the direction of what I would say, mm-hmm. and that's I see that you're in contact with your family over social media, but uh, one does not simply drop off children at so- social services like like willy nilly like it's the pound. I I'm really unclear. As to whether or not you're picking them up to take them in because this cousin has given you an ultimatum or whether you are named as legally responsible for these children. Um, Learning that grandma has passed like way after everybody else or something like that doesn't lead me to believe that like uh, an estate was settled. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I have serious questions about um, who is actually legally responsible for these children.
0: Yeah, that's, I think, the most salient point at this point. So would you say their best next move as a couple is to consult a lawyer or is it to check in with other family members to try to find out what, if anything, the will may have said? Both. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, and it's possible that... Um, you know, the family didn't have anything, Mm -hmm. right? It's entirely possible that there's no guardian named in any document anywhere. Mm -hmm. But I'm willing to bet if either of these kids' parents at any point um, was employed, that they were probably required to list dependents and and explain something somewhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe maybe they don't, right? That's entirely possible. And uh, things could vary by whatever state that you're in. Um, I'm not a lawyer, but um, I smell something fishy here. Mm -hmm. If these cousins were available to take these kids in, then they were clearly more socially involved in the situation. Mm -hmm. And I'm, uh, I'm wondering, like, are they actually legally responsible for these children and trying to stiff you? with it? Like, what's going on here?
0: Right. Because, again, it, it's clear to me that, that you and your wife are both open to and and maybe even want to um, a, a adopt or, or, or at least put yourself on the path towards being able to adopt the kids. So I don't want to say like, hey, if you don't have any legal responsibilities, just tell them to fuck off.
2: Goodness. No, I'm not saying that either. But um,
0: I, I do worry essentially that right now you're being used as like a dumping ground and that later yes. they might decide to come back and say... We don't. You don't actually have any legal right to take care of these children, and and we want to fight you for custody. Uh That's what I'm worried about too. So
2: I am not trying to say find your find a way to wriggle out of this. I'm saying for the protection of your heart, which has been broken so many times, Mm -hmm. um, it it may be the case that this is the way you have a family, and it wasn't what you planned on, Mm -hmm. and this is how it goes, and in which case, you know. I wish you all the social resources in the world. And hopefully um, you have built up a chosen family Mm -hmm. of your own that can help you with this. Um, But protect yourself um, and protect these children. Yeah. If you want to love them, if you want to, you know, best case scenario, create like a wonderful bond with these kids who might have been raised to hate you and now are going to maybe even begrudgingly tolerate to love you. Mm -hmm as parents, like you have to set yourself up legally yeah, as well as, you know, financially and logistically. Yeah. So I would say lawyer first.
0: Lawyer first. Over over anything. And, you know, I don't know if the kids have a living biological father or if anybody on the dad's side of the family um, has any interest in getting involved too. But again, that's just a good question to to ask of a lawyer. Um, and, and also to maybe see if they want to visit the kids, if they want to come say hi. Like, I, I don't know how antagonistic that relationship is or if there's a relationship at all. I know you say that you're the kid's closest living relative, so it it may just be that they never had a father in the picture, but right um, it, you'll definitely want to get that sorted out. I do think so assuming you you talk to a lawyer and you have at least some grounds to start um taking custody of the kids and that would maybe establish like a better legal foundation for seeking like legal custody, you know, go ahead and move forward with that. Like if the plan right now is like, it's, it's we take in the kids or they get, you know, packed off to foster care. I, I understand wanting to move them in regardless. But ask those questions first. And then I think also set up therapy appointments
2: for the whole family,
0: right? Right. The yeah. whole family. No. And by which I mean you and your wife and the kids. Right. Not, not the extended uh, relatives.
2: You and your wife, even if you have a perfect relationship right now, should be in couples therapy yeah. because of what it will do to your relationship. And you should be having conversations with other children present. Mm-hmm. If you can, if you can swing it, yeah. Um, and additionally, the whole whole fam family should definitely be talking to somebody together. And I do want to clarify that, like, um, children can be in social services and also live with you. Yeah, I think this is like, um, I guess I guess that's the the like kind of little orange flag in this for me is this idea that like we're gonna send them off to like orphans house in Victorian dickensian in England. And it's it's kind of like, no, no, they, they may enter the foster system and you may become their foster parents. Mm-hmm. Like there are many complex possibilities here. Yeah. Um, so I do just want to put that out there um as well. Yeah. Uh and you don't, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, um in in many cases, people have been very hurt um by abuses of state systems, and um that sort of thing has happened to my family. So I don't think the fear is unfounded, but um, it's it doesn't have to be this like either we get it together right. or or the police are taking our kids away. Like right. you can also reach out and find ways that um, these support systems can serve you as support. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't know what state you're in, and that might vary right. considerably.
0: But I think, too,
2: then to that end,
0: it's also a good idea to maybe uh, try to find out, get in contact with, like, your local human services agency and find out what resources may be available to you as, like, temporary foster parents um, looking to become legal guardians. Um, so all that being said, lining up those appointments— um, making sure that you have as many of your friends who are able to like maybe come by and drop off meals sometimes or like help you with laundry or, or, or friends of yours who are parents who know like yes, yes. what a kid's need. Um, having kind of um, an open mind and low expectations when the kids show up. I, I do think the good thing is at seven and 10, even if their you know mother and grandmother have said lots of horrible things uh, about you to them, that's young enough that I think given time and, and, and you know, both affection and, like, a little bit of a distance in the sense of, like, we're not going to try to force you to love us or anything, we just want you to mm-hmm. be well, and mm-hmm. we're so glad that you're here and we care about you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's not necessarily going to be a set in
2: stone as if they were, like, teenagers showing up. And mm-hmm. um, Although, so what's the part of the letter that asks about um, the kids are in school and this letter writer and her wife are in a different town, different school system. Is that part of the problem?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's unclear to me. Um, You know, they were able to visit um, her wife's uh, mother's cemetery. So it could be it doesn't sound like they're in the same small town. Right. But it sounds like they're relatively close. But yeah, that's another thing to consider is like, will the kids be also taken out of their school? Mm -hmm. Um, If there's, would you recommend trying to see if there was a way to keep that consistent? Or do you
2: think that that would just be too difficult or? I think it really depends on the kids. Mm-hmm. I um, you know, they're also grieving, right? Yeah. And uh grief is is so hard for adults, for yeah. kids it can be like, you know, they can do it all kinds of ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And and maybe they seem fine and making air quotes that you can't see. Yeah. And maybe they're also, you know, exhibiting all kinds of kid appropriate weird behaviors which <sighs> Even putting bigotry aside, like let's say these kids are perfectly accepting and have no problems with you and your wife. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that kids in grief can be mean. Yeah. And uh, to prepare yourself for that possibility as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you've ever cared for uh, a friend or a loved one who was a little out of control of their uh, words and deeds, again definitely please see a therapist as a couple as well. Yeah. Um, to, to to be prepared to to maybe be rejected quite aggressively, mm-hmm. Um. sometimes in surprising ways. Yeah. Kids aren't always like, you're not my real mom. So bye. Like they can they can be like totally cool about the day to day stuff. And then just like, you know, one day you find they've like low key vandalized the thing that you, they know you like. Like it's yeah, it can be weird. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't want you to get your heart broken again and again and again. Yeah. I want, I I so badly want this family to find the silver lining in this terrible sequence of events and like, just like support each other and love each other. And like, wow, this is how you end up with your kids. And like, that's, I want that so badly for you. And I'm sorry if I'm, dogpiling on all these logistics, but that's that's the way that I react to crisis.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's really necessary and helpful. And so I think in addition to like lining up the visits with the therapist and the lawyers to just call in your own support system, Um, let your friends know that to whatever extent they can come around and help over the next couple of weeks and months and and in the longer term but just like especially like we're about to head into potentially crisis mode Um, and we want a lot of support and time and for both of you to kind of have a little time during the day or even just like at night when the kids go to bed where the two of you can just kind of check in with one another and say like how you feeling today? Mm -hmm. How are we going to get through tomorrow? Um, How can we just enjoy this five minutes of peace before it all starts up again Mm -hmm. Um, and, and be there for one another and you know my hope would be that you all would be able to find ways to connect and to develop your own kind of family relationship slowly but meaningfully. Yes. Um, and and for you to be sure that you had a legal right to these kids.
2: Take it take it slow. Um, I can say, in my experience, um, a, a trap that I fall into, and again, I'm not saying you're going to do this. A trap that I have fallen into and would, would like to share is um, uh, wanting the love of the child or significant other or something of somebody who's rejected you as a surrogate for getting that person's love is a mental trap that is so easy to fall into. Yep. Which is why I was flagging the like kids might be mean, even if, even if all of the, you know, acceptance or rejection of, of LGBT people is, is like totally in the clear, like, Will it will it feel like rejection from the sister and the mother all over again the first time there's a big blow up Do you know what I mean Right Yeah And so I think to prepare yourself
0: as best you can Like these are little kids who are going through some unimaginable pain And if they say or do things that are like just lashing out We need to be able to be able to kind of like lovingly absorb that Mm -hmm. And then find times uh, where when we are not in active parenting mode where we can Mm -hmm. like break down a little
2: if we need to cry about it if we need to work through some of our fears and anxieties with other adults um and again like i'm not trying to project my issues onto this poor letter writer sure just a thing that i i think about you know um one of the things you might want to think about is that because these people who've hurt you are dead and that's complicated but those people can't hurt you anymore yeah yeah and 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 you get to be the adult now you get to be a better model than that you get to yeah, you get to do better.
0: Yeah, and and good luck. Please, Please write back luck. in a couple of months and let us know how you guys are all doing. I'm so worried about you. <laughs> yeah, I I, I I hope it's like the best case scenario, and and I hope that things just go really really well. Um, and but even that is going to involve a lot of adjustment, a lot of change, a lot of hard work, and. Um, I, I think what you're doing is loving and open-hearted, and I'm glad that you're available for these kids, and I'm just sorry for what all of you have been through at the hands of the rest of your family. That's our mini-episode of Dear Prudence for this week. Our producer is Phil Circus. Our theme music was composed by Robin Hilton. As always, if you want me to answer your question, call me and leave a message at 401-371-DEAR. That's 3327, and you might hear your answer on an episode of the show. You don't have to use your real name or location. And at your request, we can even alter the sound of your voice. Keep it short. 30 seconds, a minute tops. Thanks for listening.